Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Boston Celtics Reddit podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, aka Brutal Gash, and I'm joined as usual by our man on the ground in New Zealand. It's Joe, aka No Scrotes McFly. How are you, Joe? Oh, well, I, I, I could be worse, I suppose. I could be worse. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be a lot worse. I mean, if you talked to me 48 hours ago, I'd be <laughs> pretty depressed. Um, yeah, well, the recovery is uh, is on. Yeah, let's put you it that know, way. The, the eight stages or however many stages of grief it is, you know. Maybe I'm cycling to acceptance right now. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Mm. Look, guys, we're going to take a quick look back at Game 7 uh, and also a bit around the aftermath of Game 7 and how we're feeling and how the season has ended up and stuff like that. We'll also take a look at some of the latest content from around Celtics Reddit and some general newsy stuff. If you want to get in touch, hit us up on Reddit or otherwise on Twitter at RCelticsPod. That's the letter R, CelticsPod. Joe, before we begin the unpleasant experience of reliving Game 7, a sincere shout-out to Jackson, a.k.a. Rickman Lives, who couldn't be with us tonight. Jackson is not in a good place right now. In fact, last I heard... If you can imagine this, he was last seen sitting in an old leather chair by a still barely lit fire wearing a crusty, unwashed robe. Glass shards in his hand after his whiskey glass shattered in his hands after he gripped it just a little too tightly as the buzzer sounded at the end of Game 7. In fact, I've heard if you get up real close to him, you can hear him muttering, Let's go Celtics, as he rocks back and forward on the spot. It's actually not a a laughing matter. Like, these... (laughs) We can take these losses really hard, guys. So I just want to make sure that everyone's staying safe out there. No, absolutely. It's very, it's a very serious matter. Shout out to uh, Jackson. I hope that you, uh, hope you're okay, buddy. And hopefully, we see you on the next one. Anyway, Joe. Well wishes to to Jackson and all the other um, commiserators out there. Let's get right to Game Seven, which, uh, along with the young Celtics season, came to a frustrating end a couple of nights ago with the 87 to 79 loss to the Cavaliers of Cleveland. Our best player was a rookie. Their best player was LeBron James. Joe, let's get down to the unpleasant experience of reliving Game 7. So, you know what the most frustrating thing about it is? It's like, missing shots is just like the lamest thing to blame a loss on. You know, like, it's this, it's like hashtag analysis, you know? We miss shots. <laughs> it's just so unsatisfying, but it's honestly, it's not all there is to it, but it's, it's 80% of the story, you know? Like, we yeah. just missed flipping shot after shot after shot after shot and it's it's like it feels it's like a loss that you feels like you can't scrub out and I've kind of been like in a little bit of a like like 
days? Have you been? And like, like I can't yeah, absolutely. quite believe the season's over. Yeah, you know, like every movie montage where it's like that Hello Darkness, My Old Friend song is playing <laughs> and like everything's moving really fast around them and they're just like sitting on a park bench. Not to be too melodramatic. I'm sort of I'm sort of there. I've been there the last couple of days and uh, the, the montage of the wide open threes that we had, you know, once we lost our momentum from the sort of the second quarter onwards, those are shots that we've made all season. Um, and all of our guys have made those shots and we sort of characterized our, like our young, snappy Celtic demeanor on hitting those shots. Um, and yet from the second quarter onwards in this game, we just, we just missed them all. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, you can probably pepper a little bit of, you know, the LeBron factor in there, but we just missed so many shots going right down to the end of the game off those offensive rebounds, um, you know, we got some wide open shots that would have really put us back in it. Yeah. And uh, we just couldn't do it. It's very frustrating. Yeah. I'll tell you what was actually really frustrating is the, the league pass experience down here. League pass cut out immediately after Tatum hit his go ahead three. Oh, no. <laughs> it cut out. So you're like, we're winning this. <laughs> I, I literally screamed, eh? Like, like a guttural, like Chewbacca, you know? Like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I couldn't believe so, it. Like I pay if I pay for league pass for anything, it's that exact moment when the Celtics go ahead with six minutes left in Game Seven of the conference semi final, conference finals, right? And it yeah. let me down. I could not believe <laughs> it. It's never been the most stable platform. Uh, you could maybe draw some parallels there between the instability of league pass and uh, <laughs> and one Boston Celtics throughout the season, and, and certainly in Game Seven. Um, a lot of points to get to. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the game itself. Um, I, I thought that we started really well. We shot just under 50% in the first quarter. Uh, and we, we were sort of up by, I think, about 12 early in the second. Uh, and the Cavs only shot 35% in that first quarter, one for nine from three. And I'm, start, I'm sitting there at this point, like, getting a little bit giddy, right? Like, I'm thinking, we're okay, like, yeah, we're, we're, in the we're playing our, our... Yeah, we're playing our home version of basketball we're up uh the Cavs aren't hitting anything uh, our, our guys are hitting shots that they haven't hit on the road you know we saw them miss quite frequently in game six and here they are in game seven hitting them as we would expect them to at home uh things started out really well and then we get into the second quarter and we just can't hit any shots and at first the Cavs still can't hit any shots and I'm thinking okay like this is fine we need to get back into our rhythm at least the Cavs aren't hitting their shots either um you know we, we can still make lead, eh? it just felt like it stayed there for a five minutes or so yeah and I think Brad Stevens said in his post-game press conference like where we started to lose the game was in that second quarter where we, we basically we couldn't turn a 12 or 14 point lead or whatever it was into an 18 or, or 20 point lead and then slowly, you know, the experience of the Cavs, you know, they've, they've been in that situation a bunch of times. And, you know, LeBron is 33 and, you know, we know his resume, Kyle Korver, uh, J.R. Smith, like these sort of, it's weird to put J.R. Smith in that category of like elder statesman, you know, experienced players. But I mean, he's getting up there in age and he's, he's been steady there before hand. and that, that showed. J.R. Smith's <laughs> steady hand at the tiller. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Just all, all reliable, all faithful J.R. Smith, <laughs> it seemed. But, uh. Yeah, that's where, really where it started to turn around, I thought. And uh, yeah. it was just frustrating that we just couldn't hit those shots there. Uh, I, I thought, like, you could see it, like, you could see it happening, eh? You know? And, yeah, and yeah. You can always tell when the Celtics start trying to hit home runs. You can, you can, we're not good at that. 
you know, um, and and I, I I was just like there just seemed to be a lack of urgency. Like I felt like we came out with a tremendous amount of energy and urgency in that first quarter. Um, and Same as Game Six. Yeah, yeah, yep. It's exactly right. Okay, so here's my here's my theory on this. Is like I feel like in this series, playing Baines enabled us to play quicker. And the reason why it enabled us to play quicker was because we were just clearing the ball off the glass so much more effectively. And and, yeah, and sure. there were multiple occasions where, um, well, I can think of at least one occasion where Jalen followed, basically followed Kobe's advice, right? Which is push hard, you know, get penetration, don't panic. If there's nothing there, turn around, kick it out. And I'm pretty sure it led to a, to a Tatum three. There was a, there was a pass. He, he pushed it ahead, he pushed ahead really hard and he, Swung it back around, and um, maybe it was Rosier that pushed it, and, and Brown walked into the three. I'm I'm getting a bit mixed up here, but point was, you could see us playing with that tempo, that real aggressive tempo in that first quarter, and then we were jogging the ball up the floor. You know, when we don't do good when we jog the ball up the floor, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely, and you're right about like Bainsey, like he, he was getting Bainsey. those defensive rebounds and, and kicking it out for sort of a smooth transition run down the court. But he only played. I'm looking at the box score now. He only played under 19 minutes overall in the game, so it's he didn't really get the run that maybe I would have liked for him to have gotten. You know, not that I'm a an esteemed coach like one Brad Stevens, but uh, he he did seem to get. Um, Sort of, the, sort of on the lower end of minutes that you'd expect from a guy who had, as you say, Joe, um, quite a positive effect on our transition offense. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to say uh, whether he would have affected Game Seven just because the shots really weren't dropping. But um, no. I strongly felt, and I that Brad Stevens made a mistake by not playing him in the fourth quarter, at least in in Game Six. Not to rehash that, but. Man, those Larry Nance putbacks um, killed us in Game Six, you know. Um, yeah, I I also thought that Aaron Baines did a pretty reasonable job for his size of defending in front LeBron, of LeBron on the perimeter. Like, yeah, I'd right? way rather Baines switched out on LeBron than Rozier. <laughs> like, it's not even close, right? Like, if we went large no. with Smart and and the Smart at point guard and Rozier at, and 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 um, Baines at at center, like defensively, that was ideal. To, to, to for stopping LeBron. I don't think you could get a better lineup for us to throw at him. No, yeah. So from the second quarter, beginning of the second quarter to the end of the fourth quarter, the Cavs shot 50%. So after their slow start on our hot start from the beginning of the game, uh, they were you know, well above average from that point onwards. And in the same time frame, uh, the Celtics, we only shot 29% and 16% overall from three, which is just brutal. Not going to get it done. Um. Well, we talked about Baines's awesome perimeter, or surprisingly awesome defense on the perimeter on LeBron James. We started to see in this game, particularly towards the second half, a lot of those switches. Um, the, the Cavs do a really, really good job to their credit of, of switching Rogier onto LeBron. And then LeBron obviously goes to work and, and does his thing um, and exploits that mismatch. Um, it was surprising that we, we didn't seem to make an adequate adjustment to counter that mm. we, we've talked on podcasts from earlier in the Cavs series, how our defense had done a really good job of, of shuffling off that switch and getting Rogier back out to the perimeter man and, and getting a big, you know, a bigger guy like Marcus Morris back onto LeBron James. That just wasn't happening in this game uh, much to my, and I'm sure your frustration as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I honestly just think we'd be better off just having, having a bigger lineup out there. 
most of the time. Somebody yeah. somebody made the point that it, it was probably the series for Marcus Smart to almost start over Rozier. You know, and I know that that you know, I just think he was more going to be more effective than Rozier just because poor Rozier was getting picked on. Um, well, yeah, and then he goes and tries and dunks on oh, that LeBron was James. Such a stupid play, and Mark Jackson's um, uh, like. That was the right play. <laughs> no, that's yeah. not a Van Gundy voice, you know, but... <laughs> like, yeah, now but... <laughs> I know why Mark Jackson got flippin' fired from Golden State. Mark Jackson is a flippin' idiot. How how can you pay that guy millions of dollars to coach an NBA team? That's the <laughs> no dumbest paid him crap. Yet, since, he's, since his last tenure, no one's paid him again since. Yeah, well, yeah, ESPN's still putting his up and they put him on <laughs> over Doris true. Burke. He's a muppet. Like... How on earth can you think it's a good idea to try and yam it on LeBron when you've got, I think it was Horford was um, was trailing the play. All he had to do was go up, dish it off, Horford, bang. <gasps> but anyway. Yeah, I, mean, I guess a little bit I can imagine in the moment where it's a, it's a quick split-second decision, uh, maybe this is my highlight. You know, he's, he's potentially, uh, he's on a contract year as of next season. Uh, the whole highlight real aspect of potentially dunking on LeBron in a game seven, that's such a high stakes game. It's tempting. You got to admit. Oh, totally. I think he kind of t- he said exactly afterwards. He's like, he blocked me heaps. I got. I'm going to get him back next year. <laughs> well, like, well, you tried yeah, to get pro- him back this year. You know? <laughs> Please yeah. not in the playoffs. That said, man, we're play. I played a social league game last night. It's just social league. We're down uh-huh. four with 50 seconds left. We get a steal, and I'm just like, you know what? I'm gonna jack this from like two steps over halfway, <laughs> like I'm like, <laughs> like I'm How'd like Lamelo Ball or something. <laughs> Dumbest play ever. <laughs> so you know, we all have our moments. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, you kind of expect the professional basketball players to have slightly better moments, but uh, stakes were a little really higher. <laughs> a, really, a LeBron moment there, and uh, it was uh, really repetitive. The Mike Green, the Mike Breen call, you know, LeBron blocked by LeBron or blocked by James or whatever it was. It was very reminiscent of the block on um, uh, on Iguodala, I think it was uh, a couple of years back. Um, frustrating to be on the receiving end of that as a fan base. Um, however, Jason Tatum. Nice yeah. little, uh, nice little yam on LeBron's face. Yeah, man. Uh, I was watching the game. I, I timed my lunch break perfectly. Obviously, the games are on at around lunchtime here in Australia, and always time my lunch break perfectly during big games so that the second half coincides yeah. with my hour lunch. See, I get the first half. It was yeah, been, right. Yeah, oh, of course, being two hours ahead in, yeah. in New Zealand. Uh, you know, such is life, time zones and uh, and whatnot. You know, we we mm. play the hand we're dealt. Time zone wise, but anyway, uh, I'm watching this game in the kitchen. I'm eating my uh, lasagna, and uh, and Tatum just yams it on LeBron's face, and I scream out. I've got food in my mouth. It sounds like I'm, you know, like Jabba the Hutt dying. Um, you know, workmates run to uh to see if I'm okay, and I'm just like freaking out over this dunk. Uh, it was quite a highlight play. Uh, I don't know where were you when uh when Tatum exploded over LeBron. Trying to fix my league pass. No, it was <laughs> no, no. It was actually uh, still sucks. going then. I think I'd actually okay. So this is you don't get these moments back. I was actually typing out a message on our little Gmail chat thing, or another oh, Facebook right, yeah. message, and I and I looked up and it was aftermath. So I missed it live, man. So which is a real shame. But I I think this playoff series in particular has made a couple things clear for me, like. Like, Brown's going to be good. He's going to be good. But, man, Tatum is on a different level as a prospect. He's yeah, clearly he's on a different level. 
he is mentally so much more able than than, than Brown under pressure. Uh, no question in my mind. Um, and also, Smart's going to be effective no matter what. This is another reason why I'm, uh, and maybe we're jumping ahead, but like, or maybe I'm jumping ahead. Sorry, I should say that. I'm going to no, beat no, this let's, drum let's again. I'm going to beat this drum again. Like, Smart's never really going to play bad, you know? He might shoot bad, but he always shoots bad. <laughs> you know, he never really plays that badly. Um, he might have a couple yeah. of forced turnovers, but he's always going to help you win in every single game. Whereas Rozier didn't really help us win. He really was a minus, unfortunately. Well, I feel like a lot of the reason we, we would go typically in, in any game, particularly in game seven, Rozier over Smart is the shooting. And yeah. the shooting was just not there for Rogier. So I'm surprised um, there wasn't much of a difference between their minutes. Um, Rogier had 36 minutes. Smart had 30 minutes. Smart did go one for 10 from the field. Um, but that's it's kind of not surprising for Smart. No. Whereas Rogier's two for 14 kills you. And it honestly wasn't like a that bad of a one for 10. Like he... Um... He had a couple like layups on his left hand that he like it looked like he didn't get much lift on it. But you know it wasn't quite the same as like they were Marcus Smart shots. You know I don't I didn't watch I wasn't thinking the game afterwards. I was like man Marcus bricked a whole lot of shots. I actually didn't. I was surprised he shot that poorly. I thought it was just his usual like two for nine. <laughs> so, yeah, well in a in a game nine. where in a game where pretty much everyone other than Horford and Tatum shot poorly. Uh, you know, Marcus Smart, who always shoots poorly. I guess it just didn't stand out the way that it normally does. Um, classic Marcus Smart, though. He finished a team high like uh, plus, plus two. two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which I remember is, it. uh, It's just classic <laughs> Smart. Uh, and, you know, now he's out there saying, you know, I'm worth like 12 to $14 million a year, which, uh, you know, we've got our ownership squad uh, saying that, you know, we'll happily go into the luxury tax to, to bring everyone back next year, or at least most people back. Uh, I think Danny Ainge was quoted as saying, we'll only look to make minor tweaks heading into the next season. And I don't think Marcus Smart fits into the minor tweaks category. Like he obviously has a huge impact on the team. So I don't know, I'm fairly confident that we'll bring him back and hopefully, you know, someone like the Nets or whoever, not to digress too much on the game, but hopefully they don't, you know, throw out some ridiculous like $25 million a year offer. And well, at least know, if just- they do, good luck to him. Do you want to do a quick sidebar on this? I was thinking about like like let's do a Dutch auction, like a Dutch auction for Marcus <laughs> yeah, Smart. You know how like they start at the high price, okay? And whoever <laughs> yeah. blinks first says, "Yeah, I'll take him at that price." All right, all right, let's, okay, let's do so it. Okay, so I'll start twenty million. No, nineteen. Wait, wait what, how, how am I supposed to respond? Like, okay, as well, a, no, as we a... got to start high. We start the bidding high. It's a Dutch auction. Okay, twenty yep. million. No, nineteen. No, I'm sorry. Well, you, you don't have to say no. You just don't have to say any, anything. You just say yes when you're in. It's like it's such a firm not yes that I okay, have okay, to say okay. no. But sorry. Okay. 16. I'm shaking 15. my head. 14 and a half. Mm, no. 13 and a half. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm taking them at 13 and a half. If it's short, yes. Wow. wow it, okay. 13 and a half over three years, I'll do it. Yeah, over three that's years. 40 that's 40 over three. So bad. Um, obviously smart is very integral to our team. One thing we've, we've talked about on the show before is that we, we don't have a lot of those mid range contracts. So at the worst case, I, I feel bad saying this cause I love Marcus smart, but it, it gives us that sort of level of tiered contract that might be handy in a trade sometime mm, in the future. Totally. If totally. nothing else. I'd ha- yeah, I, th- I actually think it would break 
Ainge's heart to trade Smart. Like I, I, I'm convinced that Smart is the favourite player of both Stevens and Ainge. But it's interesting. I yeah. always thought they might say to him, "Okay, Marcus, look, we're going to give you, I don't know, let's say forty million or forty-five million. You pick the years. This is the total value <laughs> of your contract, right? Like, yeah, right. You pick the amount. Spread of it years, out over five. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. got to be greater than three. You know, like <laughs> he's he's like a like a Swiss Army knife where the the main tool is blunt like the main portion of the knife right. is blunt and doesn't really cut very well wow. but all the all the what extra a word tools picture. the, the, what the a screwdriver word picture. the pliers the tweezers if you want to get something out from under your fingernails whatever it is they all work perfectly but the the, the knife the primary uh sort of instrument uh doesn't work so well yeah but still very useful overall and and can still cut some things <laughs> yeah an orange <laughs> <laughs> Butter. Maybe an orange, a really <laughs> ripe orange. Yeah, warm butter. Yeah. Uh, bef- I just before I want to get off Marcus Smart because uh, we've we've devoted like a solid five minutes to him. Uh, but he he is an insane person. That's what I have written in my notes here. Marcus Smart is an insane person. Two charges on LeBron James. He's mad. He's bloody mad. Questionable charge. <laughs> yeah, one very questionable charge. On LeBron. Get that. <laughs> two nonetheless. <laughs> if you stand in front of LeBron James, who has been called a freight train on many occasions, uh, I, I, it's, it's insane. Like it's like stepping in front of an actual train a little bit. Like uh, you could expect to perhaps not survive, and yet he did it twice in one game. He's um, he's worth his weight in gold, Marcus Smart. I love him. I just like I like there were like three or four times in the game. I was just like, oh Marcus, I love you. You know, like. The, the <laughs> offensive rebound, the two charges. I just love him. He's he's so my favorite. <laughs> yeah, he had he had one play as well where he just uh, LeBron rebounded the ball and Smart just like came back oh, out of the baseline and, and just like ripped it out it. of that his, was his hands. Only it, was, it was too little, too late. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was one of those offensive rebounds towards the end of the game where we had some really good looks in those dying minutes, but we just couldn't hit them. Uh, I think Terry took one of those shots and Smart took the other, and those were just two guys who were just not making shots all night. So. Uh, that's what it comes down to. I mean, you know, we had a we had a fantastic season, but you know, on the biggest stage uh, in a game seven against you know one of the best players of all time, uh, we just couldn't hit our shots. And maybe that's what you get from a team of young players who are missing uh, two of their best players and probably two of the best players in the league. Yeah, it, it, my reflection on this is like, Kyrie, did you actually need the surgery? Because like, we would have gone to the finals if we had Kyrie. You know, yeah, he would have been the difference for sure. He absolutely would have been the difference, and um, and I think he could have played through it. You know, and this is why you got to be careful about like it's probably better for his long term career that he has the surgery when he did. That that's cool. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, man, we don't actually know what's going to happen next year. We should be awesome, but we don't know that, right? Like anything. Well, yeah, because that was the assumption heading into this season, and we're a totally different team. Like Horford's really important. You know. Um, we just don't know what's going to happen next year. And this is an opportunity and Kyrie probably turned it down, which he's already got a championship. He's been to the finals three times. So um, I guess that factors, but you know, like, uh, do you think there's like a, um, I don't know how quite to describe this, but like, we've seen some shit like thousand yard stare, um, like in terms of heading into the regular season as a team, We've seen some like dramatic downturns uh, this season with injuries, like the Tice yeah. injury. I'm guessing working upwards from in terms of significance, the Kyrie injury, 
Uh, obviously, Gordon Hayward, smart, you know, punching the, the picture on the wall. The big picture. Uh, <laughs> even Jalen Brown falling on his head, and that looked pretty scary for a second yeah, there. True. Do you think there'll be a, a caution at all, sort of at least in the first half of the regular season, where we're like, all right, guys, just like reel it in a little bit, take it easy, try not to hurt yourself, and let's, uh, you know, make it out the other side? I think, like, I can imagine that. And, and the reason why I can is, like, we've kind of got to the point where we know that the. Re- you know, the regular season doesn't actually matter that much next year. That's what I'm kind of going to miss. Well, well, yes, but home court meant a lot to us during this postseason. So, I mean, there's something to be said for, you know, having ending the season with a, with a good winning record. Totally. But we've played, like, we had a really small chance of winning the championship this year, right? Sure. Like, we could have beaten the Cavs, and if Houston had knocked off Cleveland, I think we would have had a small chance against Houston. So we had a real chance this year. And once you've had a real chance... Like, you just want to do the playoffs again, you know? And and I wonder yeah. if it's, it's I mean, if it's, I'm not going to, I can't imagine enjoying next year's regular season quite as much just because it's like, it's a prelude, <laughs> you know? And I wonder if the players yeah. feel the same. I remember feeling like that towards the end of almost every regular season that we've been successful as a team yeah. going back, you know, 10 or more years. But by the time the season rolls around, you're yeah, so yeah, yeah, you're on so edge. Starving. You're just like, just give me my Celtics yeah. fix. That like pre, like a quarter of preseason basketball is just like, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. like heaven injected into your like body. You know, so I look forward to that. And admittedly, have already gone back and watched a whole bunch of preseason highlights from oh, this year so of our healthy roster. Uh, it's like Gordon Hayward just like getting buckets with Kyrie, like you know the, the Kyrie Horford. Um, duo factor. Do you remember that? Like they had this like um, immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, This chemistry. That, that, um, yeah, anyway, that high pick and roll man. Um, that's the other thing too. Is man Horford would have had a lot more three point shots if Kyrie was playing a lot more. Yeah. Oh, um, what could have been? I guess. Now some some quick notes that we should get to before we move on. Uh, let me just scroll up here in my little notes. So we've got the Rogier trying to dunk on LeBron. That was a big one. Tatum actually dunking on LeBron. Uh, Tatum one. in general, in Game Seven, Tatum had some incredible plays. Uh, he had that crossover quite early oh, uh, yeah. to the step back jumper on Tristan Thompson, uh, where like, he was just money. Oh man! After that play, I was just like. Give it to him, Tatum. Give it to him. You yeah, know, like, like it was... feed him the rock. Yeah, and it was. I was so. It sounds corny, but like proud. You're like this kid just like does not care about yeah. how significant this moment is. And like I didn't sleep last night, and I'm just watching the game as a fan. And this is like this 20 year old, barely 20 year old kid who's just like, give me the ball. I'm gonna cross up an NBA vet and like hit a shot in his face in a game seven like, for a storied franchise like the Celtics. Like, like he's nuts. real. He's going to be a superstar. Like the. He is going to be, and that's pretty amazing. Like, we've drafted a guy who's going to be a superstar. That happens, like, man, once every 20 years if you're lucky, you know? Um, he is the real yeah. flipping deal, man. And that is why, you know, obviously, for the rest of the day, uh, when we lost Game 7, I was, I was pretty pretty upset, like, understandably. Like, we're all passionate fans of the team and of the sport. So, like, you know, when you when your season finally ends, like, it's all right to be upset for a little bit. But I woke up the next day feeling really good. Like, Tatum, I, I feel like it's all because of Tatum, to be honest. Like, that, that highlight, that dunk, if you watch that in a vacuum without thinking about what happened yeah. in the game, how it ended, that, that is an amazing takeaway from the season. Yeah. Um, the fact that we traded down to draft this kid who just looks like he's going to be an absolute superstar. And yeah. we've got two... 
amazing all-stars coming back for us next season. Like, we're going to bring it all back. We're going to run it all again and, and hopefully be healthy. Uh, we've just got so much to look forward to and so much to be happy about. And look, to be honest, I hate to call it out, probably would have lost to the Warriors in the finals. Yeah, in fact, yeah. Yeah. almost definitely would have lost to the Warriors in the finals. Although... It was, just, it was we were always an interesting matchup against the Warriors. They've always struggled against us relative to other teams. Yeah. And it would have just been and interesting. You know, they probably would have blown us out in, you know, at least three games, but um, three of the games. But, you know, we, it would have been nice to see. I would have been a lot more interested than I am in Cavs Warriors season four. <laughs> Produced yeah. by Adam Silver. Did you see? Did you see that? that <laughs> yeah, a Netflix special. <laughs> I uh, I had my I had my leave from work approved. I had my flights oh. and accommodation all planned out. I was I was heading over to Boston. I was looking forward to it. Um, but uh, you know, maybe next year. Um, it might be my fault. More- I took the day off for the game. Well, I didn't take the day off. I didn't go to work. I worked from home, and and I was like, yeah, right. no, I'm not even going to like entertain the idea of working. I don't think that we could even blame. I don't think that even you, Joe, can be blamed for the amount of shots that were missed by the Celtics (laughs) in that game. Maybe, Uh, maybe, maybe like five or six threes. You know, of five or six of Rosie's misses were my fault. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I mean, who knows? Um, Maybe. I mean, I I definitely am that superstitious. So uh, maybe (laughs) if we hit Game Seven next year, go to work, and we'll see what happens. My buddy now, came over and watched the game, so he might have been responsible for two or three. I mean, they all add up. It's too many variables, man. Who knows? Life is a game of inches, <laughs> and we fight for that inch. I'm sorry. Now, <laughs> no, it, it, all, uh, it all matters. The Cavs hit some daggers in the fourth. Green and, I think, Corva hit his only oh, shot Corver, of the game. that was a killer. It, it was... Yeah, it was a beautiful shot. Like you have to appreciate how how good that was. He came off that screen just a hundred miles an hour, and Ray, very Ray Allen style, just sort of grabbed that pass right off the screen and just like it was just the most professional looking like three point shot I've maybe seen in a long time. Like sniper, Ray. Eh? Like just straight up sniper. Yeah, Man. and uh, it's a dagger too. My heart and the hearts of Celtics fans. Oh, out it was there. so well defended. <laughs> really yeah. was. I can't believe he took the shot. <laughs> Can you imagine actually taking that shot in a game? I mean, man, you have got to trust your mechanics, eh? Yeah, I mean, they run the play for you, and you, you got to do it. He's a 37-year-old <laughs> NBA veteran who's been doing that for almost his entire career, and, uh, you know, they just he's the kind of guy where those shots go down in big moments. So uh, just suck to be on the, the losing side of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else we got here? We've got some Reddit next day thread shout outs very quickly before we move on to some maybe some more brighter topics. Uh, user iRomi wrote, disappointing end to a surprising season. Our young guns got great postseason experience. Tatum is going to be a top five player in the league if he continues to progress like he has over the season. Reminder, we have Kyrie bleeping Irving and Gordon bleeping Hayward. A big five incoming. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like we've touched on all of those points already, but it's uh, those are important things to go by. Jackson, if you're uh, if you're listening, dust yourself <laughs> off, mate. Um, take I Romy's uh, words to heart, and it's gonna uh, be okay, let's, Jackson. Uh, let's, let's get back to it. Let's build ourselves back up again. <laughs> uh, the real Hat Sanimiku. Hope I'm saying that right. I always get these wrong. Uh, says Jalen looked more upset than anyone. I like that though. He looked hungry for more. 
I don't. Yeah, he did look uh, pretty, J- pretty Jalen, man, I just worry about Jalen's mental state all the time. I just feel like he's a fragile little thing, and I just want him to, I just want him to just play ball. You know, he's too intelligent for he's, his own good. Yeah, I just feel like he feels everything. You know. Yeah. It's the curse of uh, of being just a genius. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> you and I, we can obviously relate to that. So, uh, yeah. you know, Jalen Brown, if you're listening, if you ever want to reach out, you know, we're a little bit older, a little bit wiser. Uh, no, <laughs> I can't finish that thought. Uh, yeah, I mean, he should be hungry for more. He he played a terrible game, and as a competitor, um, which is something I, I can't relate to at all. I'm, I, have, I do not have a competitive streak whatsoever. Um, but I can imagine that he, uh, it's going to be a very long off season for Jalen Brown. He really did. Um, he, what have I got here in my notes? He took part in the Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier bed <laughs> shitathon, which, uh, really you can't sum it up better than that. They just really, really came out there and shut the bed for, for 48 minutes. <laughs> which raised a ton of money for bed pens in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> now, finally, user not a Jeep salesman says that was basketball played our way. Home court, low scoring, fairly reft with no Tony yeah. Brothers or Scott Foster. Can't wonder about that. The, yeah, the young guys just couldn't close it. LeBron James really is not human. I hope he beats Golden State uh, if that's his matchup, which of course it is. And I can't wait to see where Danny takes us this offseason and where our team goes next year. It's a good way to end the uh, the analysis on Game 7, mm. I think. Uh, it's all about sort of moving onwards and upwards from here. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, we can... Um... Enough, enough wound licking. Let's let's think about the good times. Let's pour out, let's pour, let's pour out some liquor and we'll reminisce. Yeah, I should have, uh, should have brought a bottle into the Celtics Reddit podcast studio with me. Alas, uh, let's talk about very quickly our favorite Cavs series moments. Joe, do you want to go first? Sure. I'm gonna say um, most memorable one for me was Smart's dive steal. I think it was game one or two. I've, they're all kind of blurring together now. You know the one yeah. where the ball was getting advanced down the the, the sort of right hand sideline, and he di- dove into the crowd and tapped the ball back in. Um, yeah, yeah, that incredible, was amazing. I love you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I put the Tatum dunk. Uh, maybe some reasons he biased there, but no, I, it's a good I choice. I, I think while we were podcasting during the the Buck series, I kept just shamelessly repeating my prediction for the following game that, that Tatum would dunk on a <laughs> yeah. superstar. And at the time it was at the time it was uh Giannis and then later it was possibly Ben Simmons. Uh and finally, after I eased off on my predictions, he just dunked all up on LeBron James, which uh really was incredible and is a really like we've already said, a, a, just a, a a thing to hold on to throughout this offseason and a reason not to be just bummed out like uh like a friend Jackson. <laughs> uh, now let's get on to our favorite playoff series moment. So we've been through three playoff series now in this postseason. Joe, uh, favorite moment from all of these uh, from series is is is. Um, there are a lot to choose from, really. Eh? Like you, you know, we just yeah. mentioned two pretty good ones there. <laughs> um, very good ones. I'm gonna say for me, um. It was probably the Tatum lob to um, Horford in game five against Philadelphia. It was just a huge oh, yeah. one at the time. <laughs> it was incredibly athletic. It was Tatum showing a skill set, like an advanced skill set. Um, yeah. It was a completed lob, which we got good at in the playoffs. We actually started completing lobs, you know, which was so, you know, green shoots of recovery there. Um, yeah, that was 
and I, I'm not trying to be too hipster about it because you know the other other ones, but like that was yeah. the happiest game. You know, it was game five, closing out Philadelphia was the happiest game, and that play made me the happiest in that game. Yeah, it's probably the the peak of the the postseason, maybe even the season for our team. That was just uh, a decisive uh, series close out there, and I didn't realize that Horford could jump that high, right? Like. Mm. Uh, he threw that pass up, and there was a moment where I was like, "That was a that was a rookie mistake," uh, which is fine because you're a rookie, Jason Tatum. Uh, but Horford just like zoomed up there somehow and was like, "Oh yeah, I'll uh, just this once, I'll uh, pull this ability out," and I went up there and grabbed it. So, not all not uh, all heroes wear capes, Ben. No, clearly not. Now uh, I have listed as my favorite playoff series moment game three in Philly. Just the entire game that mm. was the confetti game where obviously it went down to the wire. It went down to. Uh, Overtime and Bellinelli hit that shot, which uh, if you're in the crowd and obviously if you're wherever in the crowd the confetti guy sat, looked like a game-winning shot. Pulls the, the cord. I imagine it's a cord. It's probably, a, I don't know, like a, an iPad touch button. But the confetti comes down and we look at the replay. And, you know, you all know what happened. And then we see ourselves a whole bunch, five minutes specifically, of clutch Al Horford just like stealing the ball off inbounds plays. Uh, just making clutch plays all together, getting baskets, steals, and and winning the game for the Celtics. And we go up 3-0 in a series where we were heavily favored against. Uh, and at that point, everyone's calling out sweep, and there's a lot of shit talking going on in the... <laughs> In the Philly subreddit, which was amazing, even though you know here at the at the podcast we don't condone that, but you know it's funny sometimes. Uh, but I digress. Well, we like to free, uh, we, like, we don't condone it, but we sure like to free ride on it. Uh, yeah, certainly <laughs> like to sit back and uh, have a good old uh, giggle about it. But anyway, that that was just uh, that was a peak for me. I, I remember how happy I was at that point in the year, uh, especially relative to where I'm at now and uh, where, where Jackson's at now. <laughs> Back then, the uh, leave application was looking good. Yeah, yeah. Things were things were up. Um anyway, uh we are going to have ourselves a three part series where we recap the entire season, probably have some special guests in from uh Celtics Reddit and uh if we're very lucky, maybe elsewhere. Um so wow. more news to come on what that. Tease. But we're re- really looking forward to just breaking down what has been an amazing season and I uh, can't sort of emphasize enough just how much there is to be happy about and uh, hopefully you guys who are listening all feel the same if not right now then you begin to feel that way as, as time passes and the and the wounds heal um are you rooting for anyone in the finals in particular joe this is you know i i i hate rooting for lebron but i'm totally rooting for lebron <laughs> yeah, you know i'm right like, there with you would be I'm a, okay with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he does it, like, I've just got to tip my hat to him. Like, I'm actually so sick of the narrative that, like, he's got no good teammates. I'm sick and tired of it. But he doesn't have the Golden State Warriors around him. That's for damn no. sure. And if he beats him, I, I think that's awesome. And it's a great result for basketball because even though I don't like yeah. LeBron, Kevin Durant going to the Warriors ruined so many things for me. It ruined Kevin Durant, <laughs> yeah. who I used to like. It ruined the Warriors, who I used to love how they played. <laughs> yeah. And it ruined yeah. the, the competitive balance of the NBA. Oh, I just... Oh, Durant. Get him, LeBron. Yeah. Uh, he ruined my sleep that night. I remember being up at oh, 2 a.m. refreshing yeah. Twitter, waiting to hear where he signed. Um, but that was kind of all leveled out by having the same experience with the Hayward situation. Um but uh, yeah, I don't want to get into that too much because we'll get to that in the uh, in the season recap uh, podcast series. Wow, that's a um, year ago. The Hayward drama when he signed, but he didn't sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. lots to talk about. Uh, look forward to that 
But yeah, I'm going for LeBron as well, just because if he somehow beats the Warriors, like that's some that's some Michael Jordan shit, right? Like the, that's yeah, probably man. the best way to sum it up. That that is some insane David versus Goliath stuff that I, I look forward to maybe happening. Although I really would not bet on it at all, unfortunately for LeBron. Honestly, I'm probably not going to watch any of the games unless I check the score and it's like within five, with five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Then I'll be like, okay, I'll turn the game on. But um, if it gets interesting, man, maybe then I'll start watching, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I've taken Friday off work, which is game one here in Australia, as like a consolation prize <laughs> to not not going to Boston for the NBA finals. I get to sit in my house alone and watch LeBron lose to the Warriors. Can, so, yeah, no, yay for me. Kill, now you can bring your bad karma to LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now uh, we want to get to some quick news before we wrap this up. Uh, the Celtic season is over, but the news, the news cycle continues, fortunately for us. Uh, Danny Very Ainge has come out and said in his his um, I think they call it uh, like a series or exit a season interview. exit interview. Yeah, exit interview. Thank you. That Gordon Hayward is is playing one on one and will be playing basketball in one to two months. Uh, obviously, the three twenty three meme was uh, thriving for basically up until the twenty third of March this year, <laughs> um, and it's so good finally, especially at this time, to get some positive. Yeah, Gordon Hayward is uh, is playing basketball kind of news. So, uh, I don't know. I was happy to see that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I expected it. I expected him to be recovering to this point. I mean, I expected him back. Yeah. <laughs> I expected him back on the 23rd of March. So, a little behind schedule, Gordon. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but supposed to be a professional. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> no, we love you. We seriously love you. Thank you. It's totally conditional on you being available to play for us, of course, because otherwise you, <laughs> otherwise you submarine our cap situation. But, yeah. Yeah, otherwise, Danny will trade you. Yeah. Uh, and in other uh, more general NBA news, Ben Detrick of The Ringer published uh, a bit of an expose article on Brian Colangelo of the Philadelphia 76ers, their general manager, um, in yet another NBA Twitter burner account scandal. Joe, uh, <laughs> I- I'm guessing you managed to read the article today. What are your thoughts? Well, I was reading on my phone. It was actually a little hard to, I couldn't see like all the tweet things, but like I, I read three quarters of it, which is enough to get the gist. And, um, yeah. and, and from then on, just, just like with great mirth, um, followed proceedings on Twitter. All I can <laughs> say is like, if there's some sort of medicine that we needed to get over game seven, like this was a hundred percent it. <laughs> like this yeah. was the basketball God's gift to everybody. It was incredible. <laughs> Better than the finals. Yeah, it was 100%. It's, it's for me, and I'm sure for lots of Celtics fans out there, the fact that this is happening to, to the, the Philadelphia 76ers, who like celebrated. I don't know if anyone saw this, but on their sub, they had like a, the Boston Celtics have been eliminated upvote thread, uh, which is incredibly butthurt of them and incredibly salty of them. Um, but now they've got this, this controversy that they really, they can't hide from. And it's, it's pretty crazy. Like, if you read the, it's a very well written article, and we won't be able to do it justice here on the podcast. You really do need to go onto the Ringer website and read it. But the the research and uh, basically, you know, I've only read over it once, so I'm I'm not an expert on this. I'll, I'll try and recount it for you guys. A guy who um, is an anonymous source for the the Ringer, who apparently works um, in some form of artificial intelligence. Uh, studied several similar looking Twitter accounts over time and collected enough data to, to basically determine that all of them looked to be owned by Brian Colangelo. Um, 
And with that in mind, the the, the content, all of the, the tweets that have come out of those accounts um, are extremely damning. Uh, a lot of him defending his wearing of very large collars, for <laughs> one. Uh, and then some like really, really personal stuff, uh, particularly about Markel Fultz, um, that some of his shooting and, and playing troubles uh, came based on like a, a personal or, or family drama. Uh, where his uncle or something like that was yeah. his trainer, and there was there was an issue there with that relationship, which led to hit those issues there. Um, if this is really Brian Colangelo, like that is extremely damning, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he got the sack. Yeah, yeah. I, I, first of all, I think okay, we're gonna say okay. I'm gonna count down three, two, one, and then after on zero, just say we think it's true or not, and we'll I'll say true. So three, yeah. two, one. True. It's true. Yeah, yes. 100% yes. it's true. I'm so glad, right? <laughs> it's, it's not fun to think otherwise, but also it looks to be true. <laughs> I, uh, Ryan Rossillo, um retweeted a tweet by Joel, M- Joel Embiid where Joel Embiid was like, ah, that was good fun tonight on Twitter. Of course, I don't believe it. It would just be insane if it was, you know. And, <laughs> and Rossillo was like, that is a brilliant tweet. And he's right because <laughs> Embiid's clearly saying like, to me, he's clearly saying, of course, this is true. You know, like, yeah. this is insane and it is true, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I loved the um, I loved the NBA Twitter investigates um, side where, like, they were, they were logging, um, they were trying to log into, um, into the Twitter accounts and Gmail addresses given, and they were able to sort of triangulate um, one that there was a common phone number between three of them, three of the Twitter yeah. accounts, and that the um, and that the Gmail accounts that were that were given um, had backup addresses, which looked like Brian Colangelo at sixes dot com. It was like it was awesome. It was amazing to watch the internet come together and and just yeah bring this cat down. And like, like <laughs> one of the most damning factors was he, they basically collected five or so Twitter accounts that they were pretty sure belonged to Brian yeah, Colangelo and. And they emailed the Sixers about three of two them. of them. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, two or three of them. And then um, basically within a few hours, like all of the accounts have been shut down or set to private or you know disabled in one way or another. Someone tweeted at one of the Twitter accounts known as Enough Unknown Sources, this you, Brian? And he replied, no, but thanks for the compliment. He is too classy to even engage. Worked <laughs> with him. He is a class act. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you crazy person. <laughs> Uh, so there was good this, luck, Philly. There was this other one who was like a commenter on an SB Nation thread, and it was like it was like the answer is pie was the username, and uh-huh. somebody found somebody looked at the email address of of the username, and the username was bc one six five two or six one six one five two, and uh-huh. Brian Colangelo's birth date is the is the sixth, oh, no. is the first of June, nineteen sixty two, or something like that, and so like in American date formatting, that's exactly what it was. It was, it was yeah. just man, it kind of freaked me out for privacy. I was like, damn, man, I don't want any backup questions. <laughs> like, I don't want anyone knowing my backup <laughs> email addresses. Internet is so much more powerful <laughs> than I thought. Uh, yeah, especially if you are in a high profile job or you know, celebrity or, or something like that. So, you know, good luck to the Sixers and Brian Colangelo. And I don't know, uh, maybe they end up getting Sam Hinkie back, which could be bad for us as a rival to them. Um, but at the moment, it's, uh, it's nice to see them in turmoil. I have to be honest. Yeah. Don't like them. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the Kings pick, Brian. 
<laughs> yeah. Thanks, buddy. Have a nice day. And Tatum. Now, I'm just scrolling through our wonderful subreddit. And normally at this point of the podcast, we do a bit of a shout out to some of the top posts from around the sub. But as much as we love you guys, there's a lot of just uh, typical off-season shitposting, to be fair. <laughs> uh, we might have to round up some top posts for the next show. We are running out of time. Um, a lot of There's a big mixture of like, I'm really sad and cheer up guys posts. Um, and there's a lot of just sort of um, like trade proposals and who should be signed in the off-season and is Marcus Smart worth it? And very much the off-season is, is well and truly in effect on the uh, Celtic subreddit. But there are more subscribers than ever. There's now over 52,000. And at this point, I know it's the middle of the night in Boston. There's over 500 users online. So a very active wow. subreddit, despite the, the sadness of the loss of, uh, of Game 7 to LeBron. But uh, hey, there's always next year. There's always next year. There's always next year. Hope springs eternal. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, that seems like a really good place to end this show. That will just about do it for this episode of the Boston Celtics Reddit podcast. This has been our, our first season, Joe, uh, and we know Jackson's not here yeah. because he's uh, he's off uh, miserating alone somewhere uh, in a chair Walking by the fire. Uh, this has been... <laughs> this has been our first season doing the podcast. We've had a blast. Uh, we've got some really exciting off-season content coming up, starting with, like I said, the season recap mega three-part podcast. We'll hopefully have some special guests on from around the sub and potentially around Celtics media if we're lucky. Uh, it's been such an awesome season and we really can't wait to relive it with all of you guys. If you've got any suggestions for the season highlight content, please let us know on Reddit or on Twitter at rcelticspod. That's the letter R, celticspod. Anything you can think of, memes, weird Celtics Twitter, shit posts, standout games, uh, etc. Let us know. Uh, all right, Joe, any parting words before we close this out? What an awesome season. What an awesome yeah. season. Um, I'll remember this one for a really long time. And, um, you know, it, it's funny, you know, it'll be just as memorable um, in years to come. We'll win titles again in my lifetime, I'm sure. And I'll remember this one just as much as I remember the 2018. It was a great year. Yeah, absolutely. Great place to end it. All right, guys, we'll see you in a week or so. Uh, until then, chin up and, uh, you know, enjoy the finals. All right, peace. Dry your eyes, mate. <laughs> There's plenty more chips in the sea. <laughs> so leaving that in. <laughs> uh. Japan! <laughs>